Well, good morning again. It's good to see you guys. You haven't changed a lot in the last five minutes since I saw you last, but uh, it is good to be with you. Um, you know, I love the fact that we are still in this series on Acts. I do hope you've been uh, looking at it. Some of you maybe are kind of wondering, like, wow, we're still in chapter 15. It's been like the third week. But uh, anybody read chapter 15 outside of Sunday morning? Raise them high. Yeah, go, go proud. There you go. Good. It's good, you know, because it's good for you to be familiar and for you to understand and even maybe what's ahead a little bit. And, you know, it's something where we don't want to rush through things and there's just so much to glean. And really, we could even go slower if you really wanted, uh, just because there's so much there. But we won't do that. We do want to keep moving along. But we will finish up chapter 15 this morning. And, you know, one thing I've loved about this chapter is it's just, it's, it's, it's what's refreshing about Scripture is because it, it shows the good, the bad, and the ugly, doesn't it? Scripture, it does not try to glaze over. It does not paint this picture of, you know, everything was just wonderful all the time. Everybody got along, you know, and it's, it's just, it's real. And when we're living our lives here as a church body and we go through struggles or, or trials or disagreements even, you know, it's great and refreshing to be able to go back and say, oh, wow, the, even the early church, even those who literally walked with Jesus had difficulty getting along, even while they were walking with Jesus, right? <laughs> We saw some of this stuff happening, and so it's just the, the nature of it, but you know, today, and I don't always give like a title or, of a sermon, but I do want you to have this idea of kind of where we're going to go this morning, and you know, if I were to title this sermon, it's simply to stay on mission, to stay on mission, even, even amidst all those things, all those challenges, and when things maybe come up, uh, even disagreements, we have to stay on mission and keep the mission first. Um, you know, that word mission, again, it always makes me go to military. And, you know, when in the military, when serving in the military, having that mission, that thing that you're supposed to be accomplishing was so critical, right? It's when the mission maybe wasn't clear or maybe when, you know, the, the people weren't focused on that, that trouble kind of started. Because the reality is, is when you're on mission and you're really doing something that's maybe your life hinges in the balance, you don't have a lot of time to look to your left or to your right, to be complaining about the person next to you. You're just worried about, or not worried, but you're concerned with what you're trying to accomplish and you're trusting the person next to you to, to support and to help and to have your back, right? And so, you know, that's kind of the same thing when it comes to the Christian walk. And while I think in our setting, in our context, it doesn't always feel like maybe that, like, well, with the music that we have on the thing, maybe it does, you know, it's like, whoa, something's happening, you know? But we're on mission. We need to be reminded of that. And so it's, it's so good um, and to come back to the scripture and to see the early church, how they were accomplishing what God was laying before them. And if you were here last week, um, you remember that we looked at that decision that was made in Jerusalem. There was this pivotal moment where the, Jew, the Jewish Christians or the Jewish believers, um, were, they were struggling with the Gentile believers and what rules and what things they were supposed to follow, what things were okay, what things were not okay, and the, the Jewish council at that time, they made that decision of, okay, you know, this is what's going to happen. You know, pretty much you're free to be a Gentile, you know, and they, they'd only added just a couple things only to kind of uh, foster that unity between the Jews and the Gentiles. And so that was um, the, the reasoning behind it. But, you know, it was, it was great. And it was a great decision. And even as we looked at how they came about that decision and probably the stress of having those discussions, of having that conversation and coming up with that, and then they remember they hand-delivered that, that um, what they decided, the direction they were gonna go, that letter. And how many of you know, like when you come up with a plan or you come up with some kind of way, 
you know, it's coming up with it is one thing. The implementation and the carrying out is a whole other story, right? It's like, you know, growing up and your parents make, made a ruling, you know, between you and your sibling. And if it didn't go your way, but yet you had to abide by it. It's like when, you know, I know and oftentimes in our house, like, go, go tell your brother, sorry. And how many know that, you know, it's not just your son walking to your other son saying, sorry, Right? Is there a heart behind that? <laughs> is that a heartfelt apology? Do some of you do that, actually? Maybe? The spouses are all going like this right now. But it's, it's you know, there's, there's a difference, right, between just saying something and then actually believing and getting behind it, especially when it doesn't go our way. And so today, you know, looking at this and where we're going to ease into is, is to see that now the carrying out of that decision, it, it, is, it, it does kind of get a little choppy. And so the understanding, though, is, is for all of us, is we are all designed, and we talked a little bit about this in our Next Steps class today, and, and the importance that we're all designed to be in relationship with others. And I know some of us, if you're like me, some days I wake up, I'm like, man, I could really do with just not talking to another person, maybe for the rest of my life, you know, if it was just me in this, this room, um, because it's, it's, it's challenging, right? Even the best people, even you know, whether it's a spouse or a parent or somebody that we just love deeply, we can have this, this disagreement or, or it can get a little choppy at times, but we're all designed to walk in relationship. Um, there's this, this account, again, it's, 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 it's sad, but um, I want to read it because it's, it was telling um, that you know, we really do need each other. It says, a rather crude and cruel experiment was carried out by Emperor Frederick who ruled the Roman Empire in the 13th century, and he wanted to know that man, what man's original language was, Hebrew, Greek, or Latin. And so he decided to isolate a few infants from the sound of the human voice. He reasoned that they would eventually speak the natural tongue of man. Wet nurses were sworn to absolute silence, and, and though it was difficult for them, they abided by this rule. The infants never heard a word, not a sound from a human voice, Within several months, they were all dead. Just think about that. So they were even experiencing touch, but just to not hear a human voice, and in these, these infants, they died. And it just, it's telling, I think, and it's, it's so important, and we say it, and I've just already said it this morning, but we are designed to be in relationship with others. Even when it's hard, even when it's challenging, and again, most importantly, <laughs> the most important relationship is, is with God, of course, isn't it? And so you think about the significance of when that relationship was broke in, broken in the, in the garden and the, the significance of Jesus coming and restoring that pathway of, for us to be able to have relationship with our creator, but all the while having a relationship with one another. Because living in a relationship, it comes with the risk of pain, doesn't it? It's just the reality of it. There's a, a, a term that, that was applied that, that someone said it's, it's called the porcupine dilemma. You ever heard of this? The porcupine dilemma. And it's a funny name. It's an illustration that philosophers and social psychologists have used to describe the strange paradox of human intimacy, right? We need each other, yet we hurt each other. And, you know, it's, it's this image of this group of porcupines who need to huddle together to keep warm on a cold night, and so they need to be close to each other to share their body heat, but the obvious dilemma is the closer they get, the more they hurt each other with their sharp spines. And so we often, I think, see this carried out, too, again, just in our relationships. 
And for whatever reason, I, I, don't, I don't get it either. It's just, it's hard. It's, it's that, that trust and putting that trust to be in a true relationship. Otherwise, you know, we can act the part. We could say, oh, I'm in a relationship, but not trust that person or not be around that person. But it's, 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 not, it's not a true relationship, is it? It's just occupying the same room with somebody else. But to be with somebody else, to be close to somebody else, is, is, is putting trust in that person. And so we understand this and we see this, you know, in that illustration of the porcupines that we need each other to survive. We need each other, especially here in the church. We need to walk with one another. We cannot do this alone. We must do this together. We must walk out this together, our mission together. Because the reality is the church is made up of people. It's not this structure. It's not a building. It's people. And, and with that, again, most churches, you know, they've discovered the greatest relationship as we've said before, is, of course, with our creator, but we continue to have to navigate relationships with each other. And the interesting thing, too, is a relationship can be fine for a very long time, can't it? <laughs> and then something might happen, and that's what we're going to be looking at the scripture today and seeing today, is something happens or maybe a decision has to be made, and it causes a little bit of a rift. And so we want to look at that and, and learn from that and glean from what we see today. You know, last week we talked about that decision that was made and, and the living it out. And, you know, again, it's, it's such a, a challenge at times to, to, to really walk something out and be committed to something, even when challenges come, right? It's like when you, you know, make that commitment, like, hey, I'm going to start getting up every morning and w going to the gym or running or something, right? And then the alarm clock goes off while it's still dark or something, and, and you're faced with that challenge, aren't you? Am I going to follow through? Am I going to stay committed to this decision? That's just, that's with an alarm clock in your tennis shoes, right? Another person, it's, it can be hard. It can be hard, and, and it can be difficult. And, you know, again, understanding that, and it's one thing to make a decision like that where it's yourself and something, but when we do, you know, we walk with one another, and we see these dilemmas that come up, and, and we recognize, like I said, you know, last week with this decision that was made, it was around cultural things, right? It was between the Gentile and the Jew, you know, and, and what we see, what we're going to see today here um, when we get into Acts 15 is that there's something that's, that's different, and this is going to be just a simple interpersonal conflict is what they call it. It's just a disagreement between two people that's not maybe like earth-shattering what the disagreement's about, but it, 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 they definitely feel that stress and that strain. And so um, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts 15, and we're going to jump back in into, into verse 36. And, you know, the big idea today and what I want you to, to be thinking as we approach the Scripture is that God, the fact that God remains sovereign, all right, God remains sovereign even in our disagreements, and he will always work for the ultimate good of his people and his glory. So understanding that even when we're going through a difficult season, or walking something out in, in you with someone else, that God is still moving and God is still working. And he's, he's going to try to, you know, uh, bring those things together because, again, we're free will people, right? <laughs> we have a choice. And so it's, it's important to remember that. And so beginning in verse 36, we pick back up and it says, And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Again, Barnabas and Paul, they've hung out for a while. Now they've done a lot of great things together. Verse 37, now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. 
But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Some of you remember a few weeks back, I mentioned this. We were reading through, and I, it was going to point. This was the actual account we had read, and we were looking at that week of when John Mark left these guys kind of hanging. And they were like, okay, what's going on? And we jumped ahead and we read this briefly. Well, now we're here and we're seeing it actually happen. And we're going to explore that a little bit. And so it goes on and says, um, so this sharp disagreement arose and so they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to share your word. And God, for the fact that uh, you have designed us to be in relationship, and God, that you have made us, Lord, uh, to walk out um, just our time here together in relationship, even through challenges, even through disagreements. And God, we see this in, in your word, and we see the challenges. And so God, we're encouraged, Lord, one, that um, the, the people that we read about in scripture are people, they're humans, and they they, they make mistakes, they have good days, they have bad days. But God, more importantly, we see the fact that you are faithful through it all and that you're able to work about your plan and your perfect will regardless. And so God, we just pray that we're able to glean some understanding this morning from your word and, and just open our hearts to that in Jesus' name, amen. And so here in this passage, we see a few characters, right? And you know, I'm, I just wanna touch briefly on them because you know, I don't wanna assume we know, you, you all know the, these characters uh, by heart, and so I'm not going to really get into Paul a lot because I think a lot of us understand Paul. We know Paul. We hear about Paul a lot in Scripture, and I'm sure many of you um, understand who he is. But um, I do want to talk about Barnabas for a minute. And Barnabas appears as a property owner named Joseph in the Book of Acts. That's that's how he first appears. And if you remember, he in, in chapter four he sells this field and gives money. Uh, to the whole Christian community at that time. And that's the Barnabas that we're talking about that, that appeared back at the beginning of Acts. Um, you know, at the beginning of this chapter even, him and Paul were united, right? They were, they were buddies. They were brothers in Christ. And I mean, they're still brothers, but they're, they're going to it. They've been out. They've, they've uh, ministered together. They trust one another. They've gone through challenges together. And so again, they're very close in their relationship. And if you remember even when, when Paul first have, was, when he was still Saul and, and they, he had the Damascus Road experience and, and when he's brought to the council, Barnabas is the one speaking on his behalf. Barnabas is the one standing up and saying, look, this is what I've observed. This is who he is. And he's kind of vouching for Paul. Same Barnabas. You know, Paul mentions in his letter to the Galatians, um, you know, when he writes to them, and uh, it's, it's, uh, he, he mentions as well that, that Peter was acting, a, he was acting a fool, really, and, and with the other Jews. And, and it even says in there, too, that, that it led Barnabas astray. And we're going to look at that passage here in just a minute. But, but that he led Barnabas astray, that moment with Peter when he was uh, uh, just acting kind of weird and crazy. And it said, I think, he, you know, when Paul wrote that, or uh, I'm not sorry, when, not when Paul wrote that, but when Paul was saying that, he was saying that, he was astounded, really, and, and kind of surprised because Barnabas, he knew Barnabas. He'd walked with Barnabas, and for him to be led astray, it took him back. Barnabas, you know, he, 
he, he's standing here and he wants to take his cousin, John Mark. John Mark is his physical cousin. But Paul's refusing on the grounds because he's like, you remember back that time when we were out there and we were ministering and Mark just left us. And so they're going back and forth and they're having uh, this dispute and it's, it really leaves them at this place where they can't seem to come into agreement. And so from that, they make this decision to go different directions. And so we've mentioned Mark a few times, but just so you know, and as we've said, you know, he was Barnabas's cousin, and you know, there's, there's a lot that, that was going on with him. Even at one point in Scripture in 1 Peter later on, which is encouraging because it, it tells us that at some point we think Mark probably got it right. Or not, he probably did. He did get it right. Um, have you ever read the second gospel? Which is Mark, right? He, I mean, he does come through and he does figure it out eventually. And so, you know, I do want to pause there and just say if that, we're not always, we don't always get it right, you understand? <laughs> we don't always make the right decisions maybe at a time, but it doesn't mean that we can't grow if we're not open to that. It doesn't mean that we can't, that God can't bring us to a place where we're getting things right and we're walking according to his will. And so we see throughout scripture that um, even Peter, he calls Mark his son, and he's not his physical son, but that's the relationship with Peter that, that Mark had. And so, you know, it's believed that he might have been Peter's interpreter. And so the Gospel of Mark probably reflects the experiences that he witnessed while being with Simon Peter. And so Mark ends up playing a very significant role. It's just at this point, and, and Paul's in this moment where he just sees, remembers this one spot. And how many of us can, you know, if we're honest... <laughs> it's hard for us to let people off the hook sometimes. And I'm not saying like in a way that, you know, we're foolish or we don't use wisdom, but that, hey, I remember what you did back here. <laughs> and so, you know, maybe it's okay, but then when a moment comes when we maybe need to lean on them or trust them, and that's really what they're coming to. If we're taking this guy with us, we have to be able to trust that he's going to be with us. And Paul's not there. He's just not there. And so, again, so we see, so this is the, the John Mark, this is who we're speaking of, and the last person in this, this part is Silas, who Paul ends up choosing to come with him. The funny part is that Silas, it said, as I was studying this, it said, it's most likely the Aramaic form of the Hebrew name Saul. <laughs> so we have two previous Sauls here walking together, and they've, you know, now it's Paul and Silas. But the, the interesting part is, is that um, Silas was also a Roman citizen, and so I think it was how God uses this, right? So now, and, and, and we find out later on that Paul uses this to his advantage when he's standing up and saying, not just that I'm, you know, when they, they're, they're persecuting him or putting him on trial, he stands up and says, I'm a Roman citizen. Well, guess what? Silas is also a Roman citizen as well. They're both Roman citizens, and they're like, so what you're doing, even with us as Romans, this is wrong. <laughs> and so it's interesting how that kind of worked out, but almost that, you know, God had a plan here, even in the midst of what was happening and maybe the division, not, I want to say division, but the separation, I would say, that was taking place, that God still used that. And so, again, we have this, this moment that we're looking at as, as Paul and Barnabas had put so much time in together and they had been teaching in Antioch and they wanted to go back and just simply visit the churches they planted. And their disagreement comes up over a person. <laughs> and it's a relative, right, of, of Barnabas. 
And so there's this, this point where they just like, we, we were gonna probably need to go separate directions. And it doesn't say that anybody has sinned here. It doesn't, you know, the scripture isn't clear. Like it says like, hey, this person was wrong or this person was right. But what's interesting is, is in this text that that disagreement, it's called a par- paroxysm. That's, that's the term that's used here. And it's, this, it's kind of this blow up that happens between these two friends. And the only other place that this word, this term appears in scriptures in Hebrews 10.24 when it's talking about, and it's actually used in a good way, it's talking about provoking others to good. But this is almost like a, a provoking. So it's, it's, it's not to be taken like this is like a light disagreement. Right? This is something very deep, very personal, and, it, and it's upsetting. And obviously, that's why they had to go um, separate directions. And so after that decision last week, what we talked about and, and the decision in Jerusalem, and I'd referenced it just a minute ago as well, but you know, Paul had also seen this point where, where um, Barnabas, in this moment where Peter was, again, he was eating with the Gentiles, he was you know, it was all good, the, you know, he'd gone there to Antioch, and there was no issue, you know. Maybe they're eating the pork chops or whatever they're doing, and there was no problem. And then certain people come in, like kind of these higher-ranking people, if you will, in the, in, the, in the faith, and now all of a sudden Peter, like, kind of distanced himself, and he doesn't want to participate. And, and it says uh, in, in Galatians 2, in verse uh, 12, It says, for before certain men came from James, he, Peter, was eating with the Gentiles, but then when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the the circumcision party. And listen to verse 13, and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. And this is Paul writing, right? He says, but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, which is Peter, before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? And so again, Paul calls out Peter in this moment. So it's not just what we're talking about today between Barnabas and Paul, but Paul, he was kind of a, you know, he kind of stirred the pot sometimes, didn't he? He wasn't afraid to do that, but it was good because he would hold people's feet to the fire, and that's what he was doing with Peter there. But then, as I said, that Barnabas even went that direction as well. And so understanding that, that this is sort of what Paul's looking at, and this is the, the reasoning that he's approaching the situation with. But even that, you know, with that event taking place, you know, he seems to be in a relationship with Barnabas until this moment of Barnabas wanting to bring his cousin now, understanding this too, Paul, throughout Scripture, it seems like, and this may be part of the reason, and, and you know, I think for us, having the whole picture, having the whole, you know, um, all of Scripture, uh, Old Testament and New Testament in front of us, so we know kind of how it all works out, right? Whereas they did not, and they're walking this out, and what Paul was seen as was kind of this sort of like, you know, a law-free Gentile, right? They, they didn't have to abide really, you know, by, by hardly anything, and understand that even some of the Christians, even the, even the, the apostles, came from a lifetime of, of, of being a Jew. That's all they knew at that time. That's what they followed, those laws and those customs. And so you don't like flip a switch overnight. It's, it's difficult because that's, again, that's, that was embedded in them, ingrained in them. And so they, they struggled. For Paul, he just saw it as 
God's moving with the Gentiles too. We don't need to place anything on them. And so let them just be, be them. And so there's, there's some thought that this may have like rubbed some of the apostles the wrong way. And they were a little like less freeing, if you will. It took them more time to warm up to the idea. Again, like I said, it's one thing to make that decision and this is the direction we're gonna go. But how that's lived out, how that looks from day to day is challenging at times. And so we see this just, again, taking place, and we see with Paul and Barnabas this going of separate ways, and it reminds us that, you know, we can oftentimes have disagreements on theology in the church. And, you know, some of it is, is what I call open-handed. Some of it is where, you know, it's not maybe something that's critical to salvation. You can see it this way or that way. We do have to agree on our, the essentials, you know, who Christ is and died on the cross, you know, risen on the third day. Those types of things are essential to our, our beliefs. But some things are not just about theology, but it's, it's simply an interpersonal conflict. It's just something that we, don't, we just don't get along well. You know, we can be unified. We can maybe, you know, walk together, but... We just don't get along. There's maybe some differences on some things or we see things differently. Does anybody have a person like that in their life? Raise high. I just want to see. I want to make sure. That's okay. You don't have to point. Just raise hand. <laughs> it's true though, right? I mean, it's just sometimes there are people, not in this church, but, you know, there's some people I don't like. You know, there's just, I don't have anything against them. It's just like, I don't. It's okay. If, I don't, if we don't see each other till eternity, that is fine with me. You know, um, God bless you. But it's, we're just different people, and that's okay. And so this really is coming down to that kind of a, a moment where, you know, I think Barnabas and Saul, though it's a, it's a definite parting of ways here, they still care for each other as far as brothers in Christ, but they just recognize, okay, we're going to have to go a different direction Now, I don't want to raise your hands, but how many of us here have been let down by somebody, have been let down by someone that we trusted? You know, somebody close. It, it's, it doesn't matter. It could be a, maybe when you were a child and a parent or an adult figure, you know, lets you down somehow. Maybe it's a boss or coworker who undermined your work somehow, right? That person that you put your trust in at work and all of a sudden you're like, what are you doing? You know, I didn't expect that from you. And sometimes even, even other believers in the church, they'll let us down in ministry. And the reality is, is that at times we feel betrayed or we feel even abandoned by someone, don't we? And the enemy wants nothing more than to keep us apart, right? Even, even having, not even having that conversation. Because nine times out of 10, I, I believe, this is my own, I would say, percentage and statistic. But nine times out of 10, if you go to that person, if you talk to that person, you may not completely agree by the end of it, but at least you understand where that person's coming from. And maybe they understand where you're coming from. But oftentimes the enemy wants to keep that wedge between the two of you. So you don't, you just kind of assume the, the, the worst instead of the best. And that, that's something we always want to be thinking the best of one another. And in this case, you know, Who's, whose side would you take? <laughs> Don't answer the question, but whose side would you take? You know, Barnabas or Saul? Like, who's, who's right here? Barnabas is simply standing up for his cousin. His, he, maybe he sees potential in this guy and says, you know, he needs a second chance. Maybe he's changed, and Barnabas sees that, and he's like, 
he needs to come with us. And obviously, maybe he sees something because we know, again, what happens in the future with, with Mark. And, and Barnabas sees that. Maybe it's not guaranteed, but he sees the potential. Or maybe you see it maybe from Paul's perspective, and it's like, you know what? <laughs> you got me once, but you're not going to get me the second time. You know, I don't think Paul hated Mark or anything, but he's like, I'm not putting my, my trust in you once again. And so, you know, it's easy to take a side, but, you know, we have to be careful. We have to be careful. Because, again, that, that loss of trust that Paul felt was real. Just like a loss of trust that you may have felt is real. And maybe it's even warranted. Whether it's with someone who's let us down or with a, a new friend or fellow laborer who is untested, every time we partner in our work with other people, we have to take, again, what one scholar calls the risk of trust. We have to put our trust in that person. I was gonna actually have some people come up today and, and do the trust fall. Anybody done one of those? Anybody done one that didn't work out so well? Where you ended up on the ground? Anybody know what the, does anybody not know what a trust fall is? In case you don't, and you probably don't want to raise your hand, you know, it's where some, one person stands basically blindfolded or their eyes are closed, and this group of people standing behind them, and they're just supposed to fall back, and that group of people is supposed to catch them, right? And if you've never experienced it, just go to YouTube, and you'll see all of the fails that you could ever imagine. Because it never goes, because you're putting your trust, and so you just fall blindly back, and they're supposed to catch you. And it's painfully humorous, uh, to watch some of these because they just, they're in bad situations. Um, and those people should not have ever been trusted. <laughs> so, and sometimes the person falling is big and they're like, no, we can't do this. And so it's something that, you know, to, to look at though and to understand, and it's that kind of visual illustration. But you're putting your trust in those people. And it's the same with us in our relationships. You know, even if we are never let down in a big, some big dramatic way, all people will fail us somehow, right? It just happens. And every time we choose to trust people, whether it's in our work or wherever, um, we, are, we are risking something. We are putting at risk. And here's where the, the concern comes, church, and here's where the danger lies. As you see, once you've put your trust in somebody and they've, they've maybe taken advantage of that, or maybe they haven't come through or they've let you down somehow, the concern is then, are you going to be able to put trust, maybe not even back in them, but into somebody else? And can I tell you this, as a church and as the body of Christ, we have to trust one another, <laughs> right? We have to trust one another. We have to believe the best in one another. We have to walk out our lives together. And, and again, and let me just say this on the other side of that, if you're that person that's maybe broken trust somehow, you know, that's something important to look at as well. And how do, you, how do you fix that? It's, it's like in a marriage, and, and you know, unfortunately, when someone is unfaithful, they've broken that trust, haven't they? They've broken that trust. And can that marriage be repaired? It can. But it takes a lot of work, and, and they'll tell you, any counselor will tell you, you know, that person that broke that trust, it takes time. They have to earn that trust back again, right? A little bit at a time. And it takes, again, it just takes a season. It takes time to do that, and it takes action. And so for us as believers here today, you know, we sometimes, again, let people down to our right and to our left. And if that's the case, 
you know, was it something on accident or was it something that maybe we just disagree on something, which that's okay, but to break trust, that's, that's, that's a little different. And so we want to be able to place our trust in one another. And so the beauty here that we see in this passage today in Acts is that God used Paul's conflict with Mark for the greater good, right? For the greater good. Because they went separate places. They actually doubled in number. And they were able to accomplish amazing things separately that they maybe not, would not have accomplished together. And the good news here is that Mark was restored, and Paul's trust in him grew over time. We see in, in Paul's second letter to Timothy, Timothy if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn there to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we see that Paul eventually placed his trust back into Mark again. Beginning in uh, chapter 4, verse 10, it says, For Demas, in love with this present world, so there's this man that's in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans have, has, has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmathia. Uh, Luke alone is with me. And then he goes on. This is, again, Paul writing. He says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And again, there's almost like this swapping. You know, here's this guy, uh, Demas, and it's, he initially he had supported Paul's ministry. And you know, he's mentioned many times in Colossians and Philemon, but in 2 Timothy, we see that he's now deserted Paul. So here's another point, another place where Paul has been, his trust has been broken in a brother <laughs> in Christ. And he, he, he's, he's sitting there, but it, we also in that same passage see the beauty that Mark is now, he's beckoning, he wants him to come because he's useful to Paul for his ministry. And so we see that he wouldn't be calling for Mark if he didn't trust Mark again if he didn't have assurance that this guy is somebody that I need. And as I said before, this is why the scripture is great, because we see it. It changes, and it's, it's, we see the, these relationships, and we see the challenges. We see the good and the bad and the ugly. We see all of it happening in, these, in, in, in people like you and me working through challenges. I mean, here we have Paul and Barnabas, the heroes of the faith, you know, pioneer missionaries, church leaders, mentors, and disciples, and they break their relationship for a season because they're arguing about whether another Christian brother should or should not accompany them. <laughs> if anybody should have had it together, it would have probably been these guys, right? And so I don't know about you, but it gives me hope. It gives me hope that, yeah, we're gonna miss it sometimes, but God is bigger, and if we are on mission, we see that God is faithful. So we've learned today that Christians do quarrel at times, and again, in the long run, it really probably doesn't matter who is right or wrong on most things. I'm sure when we're standing before Jesus one day, and like, you know, God, I just, I want to ask you this question, that one argument about the carpet color in the church, who was right, Right? It could be simple, it could be something small, but it doesn't matter in the light of eternity. We all disagree at times. So how then, the question is, of course, I'm sure you're all asking, how do we do life together as Christians? I just have four quick points here, and the first one is, um, I have it written down this way, I said simply disagree well, <laughs> right? 
It's okay to disagree. Does everybody know that? You're all agreeing with me. That was your chance. But you can disagree well. It doesn't have to be a blow-up. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to get angry, but you can just, I, I don't see it that way, but it's, it's okay. <laughs> so we disagree well, and that's, you know, we're called to do that. Secondly, we're, we're missionally united. That means we, we know what we're here to do. We know what the mission is. We know that we're here to reach the lost. We're here to, to build one another up, and, and we're to be on mission. Because again, it's when we have too much time on our hands and we're not clear about maybe what we should be doing that we start to kind of look at one another and get into trouble. The third thing is, is, again, how we do life together as Christians is that we're willing to persevere. Once again, when we were in Kuwait, churches were not an a, uh, ample commodity there. <laughs> and so you, you found yourself willing to persevere through more things. You're willing to stay in the, in the fight, so to speak, longer. Because here, this is what people do, right? It's like one little thing, one tiny little thing, I'm out. I'm gonna go to the church down the street or this church over here or this church over there. And I believe when we do that, we miss the opportunity. We miss the opportunity for, for us to grow as, as followers of Christ, to grow together, potentially. Because I'll tell you, some of the, the closest people in my life and in the church are people where we've disagreed at times. And we could work through that. We could talk through that. Why? Because we know that our relationship is strong enough to weather that, that storm, so to speak, that disagreement. My wife and I, we disagree at times. I know that's hard to imagine. She's usually right. But when we disagree, imagine, I mean, you can't even have that, you know, you disagree and then like, they just say, I'm out, I'm leaving, I'll see you later. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> we're just trying to figure out what restaurant we're going to. That would be foolish, right? That's why you're laughing, I hope. <laughs> we have to learn to persevere with one another, right? If we stay in it and we walk it out together, I promise you it's, it's worth it and it will strengthen your relationship. And lastly, what we do together to, to live our lives as Christians is simply to be people of second chances. And I have highlighted here maybe even third and fourth chances. <laughs> Isn't that what God has done to us, for us? How many times has it been that same thing, right? Again, just keep looking at me. Nobody will know it's you. Keep looking at me. It's, it's that same thing. You know, we, we feel like we try to deal with this and we make that same mistake. And we're ashamed and we're embarrassed. But then we need to be reminded that, that God's grace and his mercy is new every morning. Let those words just settle with you this morning. God's grace and his mercy is new every morning. And the enemy wants nothing more than for you to believe that the best thing that you can do is to run away from your creator, from the one who saved you. Instead of coming to him and saying, you know what, I, I messed up again. And it doesn't mean we just kind of, you know, willingly keep doing the same thing over and over, but we're gonna make mistakes. And sometimes it's gonna be that same mistake a few times while we're learning to get it. When your child first started to walk and, and they fell over, did you just stand them up once and like, hey, you, this is your one shot, you better get it this time or you're out, right? No, you just, you help them again. Even when they're kind of walking and they're shaky, you give them some space, but you're still there, you're watching them, right? You're making sure they're not gonna do anything horribly wrong or fall down steps or something. 
because you love them, you care for them. And so for, each, for us today, as, as again, a body of Christ, as believers, be willing to be people of second chances. If a person comes to you, a brother or sister in Christ says, you know what, I'm really sorry about this. I'm truly sorry. You see that repentance or, or whatever it is. But if there's a genuineness there, be willing to try again, right? And can I tell you something? You might get hurt again. You might get hurt again. I'm not saying, again, there, don't, don't take this and run to the you know, far ends of the earth with it, what I'm saying. You know, there are times where you can't, you have to you know, go a different direction, as we saw. But give people second chances. An author by the name of Unknown, okay, once wrote, on getting along with people, they said this. They said, the six most important words I admit I made a mistake. The five most important words, you did a good job. The four most important words, what do you think? The three most important words, after you please. The two most important words, thank you. The one most important word, we. And the least important word is I. And I thought that was something just to, wow, imagine if we really lived like that <laughs> and put ourselves last and, and gave room for others. I think it would be really, really great. As we close today, you know, what I want us to walk away from is like I've said, is that we stay on mission even in the midst of disagreement. Again, going back to that military picture, like when you're on a mission, in the middle of a mission, and you disagree on something, you do not have time to stop and bicker. And you're definitely probably not gonna go opposite directions at that point. You know, there's a time and a place to have that conversation, not while you're on mission. And when you do that, even amidst disagreement, and trust God that he will ulti bring ultimate reconciliation. Maybe there's somebody here even today that, that you've been, again, that you need to be reconciled to, and I would encourage you to do that. the beauty in what we studied here today and we see Paul and Barnabas is that they showed us that, again, it, it, they showed us what it looks like to prioritize the faithfulness to God above everything else. Because you see, a lot of times in churches we get focused so much on each other and that stuff, that stuff you're trying to work out, that you're, you think you're on mission or you're on task when you're doing that. You're not. God wants us to be, again, out there reaching the lost, going to those places that, that people need to hear the gospel, not just this stuff here. I just wanna, we're gonna close in prayer here in just a moment. And I hope that you just would, in these next few moments, and we're gonna, we're gonna wrap up here shortly, just... Is there a place in your life today, and just if you would just bow your heads, just to just take a moment, just be with the Lord and, and just examine your heart. And is there a place that today that you should seek reconciliation? We, you know, I have here in my notes, we should seek reconciliation with all the resources and effort that we have. What would that look like for you today? Is it possible? Maybe sometimes, you know, maybe there's someone in your life, a loved one even that 
Maybe they've passed away, but maybe you've still held on to something and, and you need to let that go. But the truth of it is that we can't allow these disagreements or these interpersonal conflicts to derail what God has called us to do. So if you're in that place today, first and foremost, I just would encourage you, encourage us to, to give that to the Lord, to help you. Maybe your, your heart's not at that place yet. Maybe it's just too much. But open yourself to the Lord and, and allow him to come in and, and to just move your heart to, to, that you would see that person with the love that, that God does. Maybe it's later on today, you need to have a conversation. Maybe it's a phone call or whatever it is. You know, the scripture tells us that we're to love one another and that that's gonna be the greatest witness to the world around us is the way that we love one another. That's our prayer today, that should be our prayers, is how do we do that well? Father God, I thank you for each person here. Thank you for those that are watching online, and God, that, that you've, again, just ministered to our heart today by your word, and as we see just this disagreement between uh, two of, of your apostles, two of the early church fathers, Lord God, really, we recognize, Lord, that that could be us so easily. And God, I just pray today that, that you would continue, Lord, to renew and restore hearts, Father God, and, and restore relationships with one another. God, again, it doesn't mean that we always have to agree. It doesn't even mean that um, we necessarily get along, so to speak. But God, we can be on mission together. And we can recognize, Lord, that that's the greater importance. And so, God, I just pray for each person here, each person um, online, Lord God, that you would just stir our hearts in that direction. God, I thank you that we can come to you, Lord God, that you are a God who sets that example, Lord God, that when we have made a mistake uh, with you, we have fallen short, Lord God, that we can come and say, God, forgive us, forgive me. And God, that restoration, that reconciliation is always there by your grace and mercy and through the power of the cross. And so God, I thank you for that. So God, I just thank you for, uh, again, this time. And again, this is, this is worthless, Lord God, if it just sits there as, oh, that, that was good, <laughs> if we don't apply action and put it into action. And so, God, I pray that that's what we would do in the days and weeks ahead, Lord God, that we would put into action, Lord, moving towards one another, moving towards that person as best we can. God, entrusting you to lead and guide us. God, we thank you for your, for your word and for what you've done this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.